You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Monday, May the 13th, 2019. We are back at it. Hopefully everyone had a great weekend. Hopefully everyone had a good Mother's Day. And hopefully you treated your mother really, really well. You should treat her well every single day, but especially show her some extra love on Mother's Day. So hopefully everyone did that. Again, we're back at it. It is Monday, May 13th, 2019. I must apologize for not having a show on Friday. And I know someone right there is thinking like, man, Q, what's going on, man? You missed Friday or you miss Friday's show, you miss Monday's show, you know, miss this show. I mean, yeah, there's been some times and things happen. Sometimes life just happens. And on Friday, I had a dentist appointment. And I really, honestly, it's funny. I had a dentist appointment at 7 a.m., thought that I'd be out of it really quick. It took a little longer than I expected. And by the time I got back to the radio station, I was just really in no condition to try to knock out a podcast. But what I thought initially is what I should go with. I always say I go with my gut. My gut told me to record it Thursday night. My gut said, you know what, just record it Thursday night and then you'll be good. By the time you get back from your dentist appointment, you can just put it together and boom, put it out. And I thought, oh, I'll be okay. It's all right. I was out. I was hanging out with some buddies on Thursday. So I thought, nah, I don't need to... I don't need to do it tonight. I could do it tomorrow morning. And uh, yeah, I should have gone with my initial thoughts. So I apologize for not having a Friday's episode. I appreciate everyone who reached out and checked with me to make sure that they weren't just missing it. No, I indeed didn't have a show. So... Got a lot on today's show. Got a lot. Matter of fact, there was a lot going on over the weekend as far as I was concerned, as far as the Raiders were concerned, and it all really started on Friday. There was obviously uh, a lot of people hitting me up about the Adam Lefko and Kelechi Osemele interview that, that took place, a very long interview, about an hour and a half, and this is what I'm going to do. I've actually listened to that interview a couple times already, just trying to soak it in. Matter of fact, I listened to it on Sunday on Mother's Day while I was uh, mowing the lawn. I, you know, sometimes when I'm mowing the lawn, I got to get in my own zone, and I got to do things. So on Sunday, I actually did that and listened to it again and realized that, you know what, I can come on here and I could talk about it all I want to, but I really think I should just break it down like piece by piece. And, and the way that it was, it wasn't just an interview like a Howard Cosell interview. It wasn't just a question and an answer. It was more like a real good conversation. It was very, very telling. There was a lot of things that Kelechi Assembly said. I saw a lot of Raider fans on Twitter having some backlash on it too, saying Kelechi Assembly shouldn't have said as much as he said. And I don't understand that narrative because we asked these guys, and especially with me being in the field that I'm in, we asked these guys, we asked athletes, we asked coaches uh, uh, questions. And then we get mad when they give us just a, a, a normal, you know, the company line answer. But then when we ask somebody a question and they give us real answers, we get mad too because, well, that should have stayed in the locker room. So I don't know what people want. I really don't. I don't know if you want the truth or you want the company line, you know, and, and stuff to stay inside the locker room. Me personally, when I ask somebody a question, when I'm interviewing them, I want the truth. 
You know, I want to be able to ask a coach something and then be able to go ahead and say something and, f- and feel pretty confident that, oh, Q's not going to, you know, try to twist it and change it up and all that. I ain't going to do that. So it's really tough to interview people and it's really tough. People kind of shy away from doing interviews because a lot of times their words get twisted up in the media. So this was a really good interview that Adam Lefko and Kalecio Semele did on Bleacher Report. Really, really good. And so what I'm going to do for Tuesday's episode, this is a promise to you. I'm going to go through and break down the whole thing and probably do it in like little chunks here and there and go through and find the stuff that I think is really, really important for us to not only hear, but also talk about. So I'm going to really kind of get creative with it for Tuesday's episode. So that's what I will bring to the table on Tuesday. Uh, Also, uh, there's no new news on the Mama Lynch interview. I know it's something that we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, I had reached out to her and she said that she'd be interested in doing that. I had a good idea that I would have loved to have had her on on actually on Friday and, uh, you know, had that as like a pre-Mother's Day interview. I thought that would have been awesome, but I never heard back again. So maybe she decided she didn't want to do it. Maybe, you know, Marshawn said, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't do it. I don't know. Maybe she, you know, doesn't really... I don't know. She just hasn't responded. So I'm not going to keep sweating her. The offer is out there. Uh, you know, I've seen some people tweet at her and say, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, reach out to Q or whatever like that. If she does, great. If she does, I'll definitely have it on the show. No doubt about it. Uh, regardless if someone wants to hear it or not, I think it could be really good. And I think that uh, it's, it's always cool to hear from uh, other people. You know, it doesn't always be about me. It's not always about you. I think it's always about, you know, other people as well. And I think that having Mama Lynch on the show would be kind of cool. So there's no new news as far as Mama Lynch goes. uh, Marquette King, who I actually realized you say his name Marquette King. I didn't know that, but someone who's actually trying to get me a hold of him, get me in hold of him so he can be on the on the uh, the podcast and do an interview with me, actually informed me that you say his name Marquette King. So I will get that, and I appreciate that because that's something that is very important, especially if you're talking to him. I also learned in this uh, little back and forth that I had with a, a certain person trying to get me a hold of, of him that he's not really a big on talking football, and that's cool. I'll, I'll talk some football because he did put that statement out there about you know apologizing to the Raider Nation and if he uh, offended John Gruden he's sorry I will definitely ask him about that but I'll ask him about other things as well and so just kind of want to pick his brain and see where he's at and if he's not really big on talking football I'm sure there's a lot of things that he is big on talking so I'm sure that that would be a really fun interview so I'm still working on him I think I have a nice little insight on him and and, and probably will get an opportunity to talk to him so I'm kind of excited about that Also, on Thursday, that was the last episode I did last week, I had done a segment, I believe it was segment number two, where I was talking about Tom Cable and, you know, how his offensive lines ranked and all that good stuff. Well, uh, that, a lot of people reacted to that. Uh, A lot of people appreciated the fact that I put that out there, but then some people reached out to me and actually pointed out that the numbers that I put out there and the rankings that I put out there were actually skewed and it wasn't as bad uh, in in a lot of cases as it looked as far as Tom Cable goes. And so a lot of people... uh, said, hey, Q, you know, I challenge you to go back onto the podcast and, and make sure that you correct it or something. And, you know, you don't have to challenge me. I mean, I'll do it anyway. You know, that's just that's just who I am. So it's not really a big deal. But apparently the numbers that I gave you on Thursday weren't quite as bad as far as Tom Cable on the offensive line goes. But what I can tell you is bad is Tom Cable as the offensive line coach. Now, I'm not going to go through and I know there's a couple people out there that have done YouTube videos and apparently on ESPN2, you can get some extra information on it or, or whatever. And again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like, uh, you know, make it a little side story or or try to cover it up or try to get by it real quick because uh, maybe I didn't have 100 percent correct uh, news. I can say Tom Cable is an issue as far as the offensive line goes. And why I know this is because the offensive line in Seattle was very, very bad. 
I mean, this is just the best example I have. The offensive line of Seattle was really, really bad. And I know someone will say, hey, but Russell Wilson holds on to the ball too much and he dances around there too much and he tries to make plays happen. And then all of a sudden he gets sacked. I get that. But the offensive line was bad and they actually in Seattle put a lot into trying to improve that offensive line. Now, when they made a mistake is when they got rid of Max Unger, the, the center. But they brought in guys. They, you know, they used draft capital to get offensive line guys. They also traded. They traded with the te- Texans for Dwayne Brown to bring him in as the left tackle. And nothing really quite gelled as long as Tom Cable was that offensive line coach. And then the minute that he leaves, the minute he gets fired and John Gruden and the Raiders hire him, all of a sudden, the offensive line of Seattle is is booming. You know, like Antonio Brown would say, business is booming. The offensive line business was booming. And all of a sudden, they're leading the league in rushing, where they couldn't buy rushing yards the year before. So I, I will... You know, take back some of the numbers that I, I gave you. Apparently, that that tweet that I was reading off of and, and the numbers that I was reading off of weren't 100% accurate. So take take that for what it's worth. But just know at the same time, Tom Cable is just not a very good offensive line coach. And someone else pointed out to me on Twitter, well, does that mean that John Gruden has a relationship with him? Why he brought him in? And actually, it's funny when John Gruden hired him, he said he didn't have a relationship with him. He said he had heard he was a really good offensive line coach, which is true. That was the the narrative for a very long time that, oh, Tom Cable's one of the best in the business, one of the best in the business. When he was the head coach of the Raiders, that's what they were saying. Oh, he's one of the best in the business. And he, in my opinion, is just not that good. He really, really isn't. Now, I know that he won a Super Bowl with Seattle when Marshawn Lynch was the dude. Unfortunately for Seattle, they only won one ring. All that talent that they had on that team, and they only had one ring. They should have had two if they had just handed it to Marshawn Lynch one more time, but we all know how that shook out. They didn't do it, they didn't win the Super Bowl, and they ended up coming away from all that talent, all those players on that squad, and only got one ring. So that was a shame. But again, going back to Tom Cable, he's just not, in my opinion, a very good offensive line coach. And another thing that I want to point out is if you look at the Raiders, their offensive line right now, if you look at Colton Miller. If you're looking at whoever's going to play that left guard position, you're looking at Rodney Hudson. You're looking at Gabe Jackson. You're looking at Trent Brown, who they just brought in as a free agent. Those guys, in my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion. Someone will call or tweet at me and say that I'm wrong, but that's okay. I mean, it's, it's fine. I love everyone else's opinion. But in my opinion, those guys, if you look at the numbers, the size and the numbers of them, they are all built for the power blocking scheme. And Tom Cable is not a power blocking scheme coach. He coaches the zone blocking scheme. And again, he has parts of the power blocking scheme in there, but he's not a, a, a power blocking scheme. And with those guys, with their size, Trent Brown is a monster, Raider Nation. He is not a little dude. He is a monster. And for people to think that he's just supposed to be some nimble you know, zone blocking scheme, when you have zone blocking scheme, when you run that predominantly all the time, you got to have nimble dudes. You got to guys, got guys out there that are athletic and get out there and go. Kind of like what Colton Miller was in 2018 when the Raiders drafted him. That was a guy when I saw him and the Raiders drafted him, I said, well, he looks like a guy who would fit that zone blocking scheme with Tom Cable. Well, now he's apparently beefed up and everybody else is apparently really, really big. And in my opinion, again, it does not look like they fit in the zone blocking scheme. Now, that's something that Tom Cable's going to have to work out. Kalechi Osamele touched on that in that interview he did with Adam Lefko and Bleacher Report. And again, on Tuesday's episode, you will hear about that. But 
Don't take everything that I said on Thursday about Tom Cable and his numbers. I want to take, you know, pull that back a little bit and let it know, let it be known that some of the numbers were a little skewed on that. Uh, They made Tom Cable look a little worse than he already looked. And look, Tom Cable... Well, <laughs> he doesn't need a lot of help looking bad because he does not really fit the bill as far as I'm concerned as an offensive line coach or a really good offensive line coach in the NFL. But that's just me. So hopefully that clears that up just a little bit. Coming up in segment number two and coming up in segment number three, I got a lot of calls off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. A lot of calls that I want to get to. 707-654-4693. But before I get into segment number two and those calls off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, I got to tell you about my good friends over at Blue Chew. Blue Chew is something that, well, fellas, we probably all could have used on Mother's Day, you know what I'm saying? Just to, just to make the mothers feel a little bit better. Not your mother, but, you know, your... Uh, anyway, this is probably going all bad. What I mean, <laughs> if you got a nice special lady at the house, you probably could have used some blue chew. Jeez, I had to clean that up, man. I started sweating. That was that was all bad. But anyway, blue chew is something really, really special. Guys, you know, you always want to be able to perform, right? You always want to be able to give that good sex. Like back in the old day, man, when we were always ready to go. Well, Blue Chew is going to help you be that guy again. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they're going to work. You can take it anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill. So you're ready whenever the opportunity arises. And right now, got a special deal for all Locked On Raider podcast listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free. If it ain't free, it ain't me. When you use our special promo code Locked On, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and you know we always thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Raiders podcast. Segment number two in your calls coming straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. They're up next right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are, segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this Monday, May 13th, 2019. Again, hopefully everyone had a happy Mother's Day. All the ladies out there, we salute you. But right now, it's time to get into calls off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Again, the number 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with WAP. He's calling in to talk about Richie Incognito and the history of the Raiders, how they've been traditionally successful with bad dudes. Here's my man, Wap. Hey, Q, what's up? It's Wap. I uh, just want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day that is a mother or um, refers to themselves as a mother. Um, well, I'm calling because I think a lot of people, uh, they got pissed off at the Richie Incognito. Yeah, it's probably old news, but I think uh, people need to remind themselves that the Raiders are an organization about giving people chances. And a lot of times it's the second chance guys that end up being um, key players for our Raiders. Um, you take out Lyle Alzado, crazy dude. A lot of people um, thought he was nuts, but, you know, given all of his problems and stuff, he's still given a really good chance to be a great football player, and you shouldn't take that away from people. Everyone deserves a second, third, or fifth, or, you know, in my case, 40 chances. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't. Someone didn't list, you know, give me another opportunity. So, you know, if you're a fan and, and maybe you don't like someone's politics or you don't like 
player in particular at least try to give that person an opportunity to be wrong and might do you some good. Um, with what KO said about uh, oh, man, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think uh, I believe some of the things that he said, and I kind of don't agree with some of the things. Whether he was telling the truth or not, I don't know because I'm not in the locker room. But it was definitely a little eye opening, and it was good to hear that he said very few people will ever meet Car and not like him. So that's a positive. But I don't know. You know, you guys enjoy your Mother's Day. Have a great day. Just remember, you know, try to let everyone kind of be a good football player. Let it play out. You know, see what happens. Some of those bad guys end up being really good football players for the Raiders. You know, there's a long list of nasty dudes that were just downright dogs for us. You know, Bill Romanowski, Lyle Alberto, Holly Long, um, Dr. Death. I mean, guys got to have that too. There's nasty. That goes a long way. Bring up some good points right there. And again, I've, I've said it a few times. I think Richie Incognito, he's bound to be a Raider at some point. Don't know when it's going to be, but at some point, I really do believe he will end up being an Oakland Raider as long as his suspension, if he gets a suspension, is not too long. Next call comes from Robert from Salt Lake City. He's calling in to talk about the numbers on Tom Cable that I talked about on Thursday and brings a little clarity to those numbers, something I was talking about in segment number one. But uh, it's all good. Here's my man Robert from Salt Lake City. Yo, what up? This is uh, Robert from uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. I uh, was listening to the podcast today, I think Thursday's podcast. Uh, normally I don't call or nothing, but I heard you uh, mention a tweet regarding Tom Cable that uh, you were talking about on. Uh, a bunch of people forwarded to you. I saw the same tweet online, too. <laughs> tweet looks real bad when you look at it. No, initially, I actually sent you a message on Twitter just kind of spur of the moment, kind of rambled a little bit in the message, so maybe just ignore that if you want, but I uh, figured I'd call. Um, the tweet is, is, my opinion, highly, highly skewed. It's inaccurate, and it's, it's selective data just picked to fit uh, Mitchell Rands or whoever posted the tweet. Uh, it, it was selected to fit their narrative. So first, first thing, it says the adjusted sack rate. Um, now, I, I have to give credit of this whole phone call to uh, a guy on YouTube or Twitter who goes by the name San, Sanjit or Sanjit, uh, S-A-N-J-I-T. He made a video on YouTube that basically he went and he went up to look up the actual stats of Tom Cable's years. And basically what it shows is in 2006, contrary to the tweet showing that he was the 31st adjust, uh, adjusted sack team in the league, uh, ESPN.com shows he was the 26th in the league, so not not the 31st. It shows he was also the first in rushing. 2007, it sh- the tweet shows he was 27th, whereas ESPN shows the 21st, and he was the sixth in rushing. So a lot of the uh, stats uh, kind of skewed. It gets worse though. Uh, 2007 also doesn't take into account that was his first year taking over for the Raiders. And before that, in 2006, the Raiders were worse. They were 32nd at allowed sacks. So 2007, they go down to 21st from 32nd in allowed sacks. We actually improved that team. Uh, 2008, 
the tweet shows that he he was the 30th in adjusted sack rate. Well, ESPN shows he was the 23rd team in allowed sacks. Uh, 2009 shows on the tweet he was the 31st. However, ESPN shows the 29th. So none of these numbers are stellar, but it, it, it's different. I feel like it needs to be addressed that the data was skewed. Uh, 2012, he was actually the 12th ranked, so pretty high up there for the Seahawks, whereas that tweet shows 20th. Appreciate that, my man. And uh, yeah, you pointed it out on Twitter to me a couple times, and I appreciate that. And thank you for calling and clarifying as well. Again, something I talked about in segment number one. Definitely want to make sure to get all the information that I dropped to you on the podcast correct. So I appreciate when uh, someone could correct me or, uh, you know, let me know that, hey, this is a little bit different than what you think. It is all good. It's always appreciated. So again, Robert from Salt Lake City, I appreciate the call. Next up, Hillbilly Raider. Used to be calling from Virginia, but he's actually moving right now to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, but he called to talk about the fifth-year option not picked up on former first-rounder Carl Joseph. He also brought up Kyle Rudolph from the Vikings and how he's on the trade market. But then, of course, he also called to talk about Tom Cable and the job he's done with the Raiders. Here he is, Hillbilly Raider. Thank you, hello Raider Nation. It is Hillbilly Raider here, en route to my new home located in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, so, of course, I have plenty of time to catch up on the podcast. Um, and I stopped halfway through. I usually try and finish the whole podcast because I want to gather all my notes and make one, you know, call and try and get it all in. Um, so I could call back. But anyway, halfway through, I had to stop and go ahead and talk about it. I will address uh, Nico from uh, Jersey, which that's where my girlfriend's from. So we're all coming full circle here. Um, the fifth-year option deal with Carl... I, I loved when we drafted Carl Joseph. I loved how he played initially, but he he's steadily decreased his uh, his play. So I'm honestly not surprised at not picking up the fifth off fifth year option. Um, I am okay with it. I'm okay if they choose to move on. I'm okay if they choose to trade him. That's what everyone thinks. That's what I initially thought um, as soon as they drafted, you know, Abrams. But you know. Just like uh, Nico said, it's never a bad thing to have depth, never a bad thing to have competition. And, uh, you know, I guess if we have a good year and we don't trade him, then we had a good year. We obviously lose him for nothing, but it is what it is, I guess. If he plays well and, you know, we don't want to pay him, um, all that, yada, yada. So that's, that's my answer to that question. I loved Nico bringing up Kyle Rudolph from Vikings because I literally thought the same thing as soon as I saw um, the report about uh, the situation with Rudolph. Um, yeah, he's not as explosive as he once was, but he's ten times better than what we have or have had. And Jared Cook, obviously. I love Jared Cook. I hated to see him go. But my point is, Kyle Rudolph is very, very good. I had him for fantasy. Um, before, and he's a top tight end, so why not? I mean, once again, you can never have too much talent, especially at that position which Carr relied on heavily. Um, so why not go ahead and just literally plug in every position for offensive weapons for Carr? And the main reason I went ahead and stopped and had to call was, you, you went on your rant about Tom Cable, you always do, and I am a 110 
thousand percent behind you. I did not understand why they brought him back to begin with, other than maybe Gruden thought he was familiar with it, or, or Carl thought. I don't know the process of it. He's always sucked, and I, I can't stand it. I just, I cannot. It was like the same thing back when Del Rio um, fired Bill Musgrave, I believe was his name. He was the way the offensive coordinator that just did an amazing job with Carr, his MVP year, and our defense. Sorry, sorry, did not mean to cuss. I have a natural cussing. I apologize. Um, the defense sucked, man. And then they promoted Norton. It just all went down. Uh, uh, those are the two things that always drove me nuts. Um, I can't stand it. I just can't. I can't stand some of those decisions, and those are two of them. Uh, the defensive situation back when they should have kept the offensive coordinator and got rid of the defensive coordinator but did it. And the Tom Cable situation with the offensive line. Um, for sure, Tom Cable, regardless of our talent, um, well, Carr was sacked 50-something times, maybe 60. Can't remember, but I know it was one of those. Um, looked like his brother out there when he was playing on the Texans. And that's not a good thing, obviously. So, you know, a coach can make talent good. Look at the Patriots offensive line coach. He literally, they, they'll bring in anyone, nobody, and just make them good. I mean, that's what great coaching does. So, I mean, that's the same thing with um, seeing Garon uh, Conley doing good. You know, I'm assuming our, I don't know if it's um, our actual defensive coordinator or our defensive back coach, but, I mean, he came on pretty strong uh, when he finally had his playing chance, and now he's looking like our top cornerback. So I'm just saying, that, that, that's it. I, just, I get fired up about it. I can't stand that. Those are two things that are being insane. Um, I got so passionate, I forgot what else I was going to say. But those are the two main things they called the talking about. So that that goes that. Um, all right. So Billy Raider out. Real good stuff, my man. Real good stuff. Appreciate that. And uh, congratulations on your move. Hopefully everything goes nice and smooth for you. Next call up today is from my man, Most Known Unknown, calling in to talk about that Colecchio Semele interview with Adam Lefko, the one I was talking about segment number one. Yeah, Most Known Unknown. He's speaking on it right here. Here he is. Yo, Q, Most Known Unknown. Um, I don't know if you were planning on touching on this or not. It's still Buster Weekend, but... On Thursday into Friday, I don't know if any of you guys saw that interview with Coletio Simley he did on Bleach Report. Report, Man, that was some riveting stuff. He touched on a lot of stuff. He cleared up the, the locker room misconceptions about D.C. He really sheds a lot of just light and confirms all of our fears about Tom Cable when he talks about uh, coaches with their egos and how their egos get ahead of their scheme and how he was coached for the first time uh, with less physicality involved and more technique and, and how it didn't really fit what he does. Um, I mean, he drops a lot of things either directly or indirectly about Tom Cable, the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, this was, it was great stuff. It was great stuff, man. So if you guys are, uh, didn't get a chance to watch that interview. I suggest you do as soon as possible because, man, I, like that was some deep stuff. But uh, it just really just reaffirms all of our fears and drawbacks on Tom Cable more than anything. And I think a lot of it exonerates Carr, too, and, and all the misconceptions about him and what happened with him in the locker room. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. 
Have, have a good weekend, guys. I'll holler at everybody. Peace. Good stuff. And like I mentioned, most known, I will have that broken down for you all on segment number two, not segment number two, but show number two. On Tuesday's show, I'll have it all broken down, and uh, hopefully we can get some real good conversation. But definitely appreciate you bringing that one up because it was a really good interview. Shiny Vegas. I used to call him Shorty Vegas last time, but it's really Shiny Vegas. He's calling to talk Kyle Rudolph and what he thinks about the Raiders possibly making a trade for him. Here he is, Shiny Vegas. Yo, cute. Tony Vegas calling back from uh great state of New Jersey. Beautiful spring day here. Just wanted to give you some of my thoughts on uh Rudolph trade potential. I think just looking at his contract, uh, $7.5 million for one year, looking at Rudolph, if we were to make a deal for him, I think that that number, even though there's, there's no guaranteed money in it, my, my only holdup on any trade for him, I think he'd he give up a six round or something for him, uh, 2020 to 2021 six round pick. But my thing is, I don't think the Raiders will have a deep interest in signing him to that, an extension, which I think is, is Rudolph and his agent are going to look for, similar to the Antonio Brown situation. So I think we, we do still have a hole at tight end. I don't think that Waller, uh, or Luke Wilson are going to be the long-term answer. But if it comes down to uh, anything that with Rudolph, I think it's a potential. It would only be a Band-Aid on that position, similar to the incognito uh, one-year type of deal, which with incognito there's no trade value. So I think the most you can really give up for a player, a one-year starter, even with that high uh, cap hit, seven point. I think two or seven point five million, whatever it is. I think that that, that the holdup is going to be the future extension. And that's why you'd, you'd only we would only give up probably a six round or some kind of conditional pick. Um, I just don't I don't see the Raiders giving up a third or a fourth. I think that that's way too much for a guy that you're only going to have as a starter probably for one year. Even at most, I think Rudolph's got two good years left in him. But um, I, I suspect similar to the left guard position. After this season, the Raiders are going to get, invest in the market or either free agency or draft next, next off season and hit that position hard to get a long-term fix. So I, I, I'm for Rudolph for a one-year thing, but I think that most we could give up is a six-rounder. That's my thoughts. Uh, let me know what you think, man. Keep, keep doing a great show. I'll keep listening, man. Good stuff. And Kyle Rudolph is definitely going to be looking for a contract extension. Matter of fact, those contract extensions actually broke down with the Minnesota Vikings. That made him even more expendable. And there's a good shot that the Raiders will go and try to make a move for him. But again, kind of like what Shawnee Vegas said, are they going to be in position to give him a contract extension? I'm not too sure. That's going to be a position that we as fans are going to definitely have to pay attention to. That tight end position is really wide open like some TV antennas. Old school TV antennas, that is. But uh, I like Foster Moreau. I like Darren Waller. I like what those guys can do, what I think they can do. But right now, they're unproven. So that's where it gets a little bit scary. Next call up is from my man Raider STL. He's calling to talk about Raiders rivals, something that Scotty Raider from El Paso talked about the other day. Here he is, Raider STL. Hey, yo, what up, Q? What up, Raider Nation? This is, uh, Raider STL here. I was, uh, a little behind on the podcast. I just listened to Thursday's and Friday's episode. I kind of wanted to share, like, funny stories as far as, uh, what Beta Raider said to Scotty from El Paso about the rivalries and stuff. And I gotta say, man, that stuff's true. Like, living here in St. Louis, 
ever since the Rams left, there's been a bunch of like bandwagon Chiefs fans, but they don't really get the rivalry as much. They just see that the Chiefs are good. They got that in the home, so they go after it. Well, that being said, there's a guy that was outside a convenience store the other day, and he was asking for some change from everybody. I had my Raiders hat on. He had a Chiefs shirt on. And he's like, hey, yo, man, can we get some change? And I said, hell no, nah, man. I don't, give no, I don't give no money to no Chiefs fan. And uh, he wasn't too pleased about it. But, yeah, man, uh, Scotty Raider, I mean, You'll see some you'll see some good Raider days, but uh, hopefully this year. But yeah, man, that rivalry's real, especially with the Chiefs. So here anyway for me. But yeah, that's all I had to say. It's just a funny story. Uh, peace out, Raider Nation. Peace out, Q. Have a good weekend, y'all. Nice call, Raider STL. Appreciate that. Appreciate you dropping that little information right there from my man Scotty Raider in El Paso. Next call, Ghost Raider in Tucson. He's calling in as a new booty, but he's a longtime listener. He talks about me possibly interviewing Mama Lynch. His thoughts on that. Here he is, Ghost Raider in Tucson. Hey, what's up, Q? This is uh, Ghost Raider out here in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I listened to your show since day one. I've listened to it even before. You got on board. I think it was um, Bill Williamson, same guy who does Raider Snake Pit. And uh, I listened to you uh, on the other podcast, Black Hole Banner, with uh, James Arcelana. Um, so I've listened to you for a long time, but I am a first-time caller, so that made me a new booty. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Ghost Raider here in Tucson. Um, I just want to respond real quick to, uh, oh, I forget the guy, Raider Rob, I think, in Southwest Florida, saying like he didn't want to really hear or listen to listen to uh, what Mama Lynch had to say, um, and you brought up a couple good points. But then I also wanted to add on top of that that hey, she's a Raider fan, you know, she's a lifelong Raider fan. She's Raider Nation, so why wouldn't we want to hear from her? That's no different than myself calling in or Raider Rob calling in or any other fan calling in. If you're a fan of the Raider Nation, why wouldn't you want to call Lockdown Raiders and uh, or, or sit in with Lockdown Raiders and talk talk Raiders? So that's my stance. Um, no disrespect to Raider Rob. Hey, Raider Nation, all love. Uh, but, yeah, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, hopefully, if I get a chance, I call in again. But appreciate it. A new booty goes Raider. Out. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I really do. And uh, again, your points that you bring up is exactly why I want to have Mama Lynch on the show. And look, I mean, it's no disrespect. You know, if you, if you call in and say, hey, I don't want to hear or hear from her, that's cool. Not a problem. I'm just giving you my reasons on why I think it would be a really good interview. And again, sometimes you just got to kind of think outside the box, do a little human interest sometimes and, you know, kind of dig a little bit deeper. And again, you might not ever hear from her because she hasn't hit me back. Yeah, and I, I don't know why. Look, some people, you know, some of these interviews that you hear people do, sometimes these networks or these different people have to pay for these interviews. That's one thing I can tell you I don't do. I don't pay for interviews. I just don't. I mean, because I just, I, I don't need to interview you that bad. And so maybe that's something. I don't know. Maybe that's a factor. You know, I heard the story of Marshawn Lynch interviewing with the AAF in Vegas for $5,000. And uh, I guess he told the, the told the guy who was running the AAF that he wants that $5,000 in uh, quarters. So I'm assuming that he was it was for his family or whatever to play slot machines in Vegas, but uh, I'm not a guy who's going to pay for an interview. You know, regardless, I don't really care who you are. I'm not going to pay for an interview. I feel like if I can't hustle it, then it's just not worth having. And I'm not saying that that's what she wants, but I know she hasn't responded. The last thing she said is she'd be interested. And then I said, great, let's make it happen. And I haven't 
her back. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, next call up, Nico in North Jersey. He's calling in to give a very detailed call about the biggest training camp battles. He's responding to a call last week and was asking about that. He takes it to a whole nother level because he's going like five deep. So this is a really good detailed call from our man Nico in North Jersey. Yo Q, Raider Nation. It's your boy Nico from North Jersey. Uh, I'm going to give a call to the podcast. I uh, just listened to your Thursday podcast, and I'm here replying to, I think it was Canadian Bacon, uh, his question about the biggest camp battle. I'm going to expand that. Um, I'm going to give you my five top position battles, okay? And not in any order. Um, obviously, tight ends. I think that even might be the biggest because I have no clue, absolutely no clue who's going to come out on top. I mean, I could see a world where Moreau gets it. I could see a world where Waller gets it. I could see a world where even Luke Wilson gets it. You know, I, I could really see a world with, with any three of them. And I think it's going to be a mix of all of them. Um, but I think that's a big-time position battle. Um, left guard, obviously. Um, you got good in there now. I do think if they bring Incognito, he automatically leapfrogs everybody, and, and that's kind of his position. I don't think there will be much of a battle if he's in. Um, it'll be his to lose. Um, also on offense, I think third receiver, okay? Third receiver or slot receiver. You got Renfro, you got Ryan Grant, J.J. Nelson, you got all these people. Um, I'm hoping Renfro pulls out on top with that. Um, and I could kind of see him doing that for the slot role. But Ryan Grant's going to be right up there for him, you know? So that's another big position battle. Uh, moving to the defensive side, the end opposite, Cleveland Farrell. I think that's going to be a big-time battle. I mean, some of you guys might give it to Arden Key. Some of you guys might give it to Max Crosby if he, if he, if he proves what he can do um, from the college ranks. Uh, some of you guys might give it to the veteran, Benson Mayo. I think that's going to be a nice three, three-headed race right there with Farrell on the other side um, that we're going to see in the offseason. Um, another one, the um, second cornerback spot, Worley or Mullen. Or, you know, someone else gonna pull up there like an Isaiah Johnson or Nevin Monson or, or uh, maybe Nick Nelson makes a big jump. I think that should be an intriguing one too. Um, I could easily, I mean, Mullen was a second round pick. I, I can't see why he doesn't have a, a big shot to win that either. Um, although I do think they go with Worley definitely to start camp and that's his, his position to lose, but I could see Mullen taking that from him. Um, and then the final one, uh, we're gonna go with strong safety. You know, Abrams, Abram or uh, or Paul Joseph. I mean, personally, I think they find a way to put them both on the field with Joyner in the slot. But when Joyner's playing free, who wins that? Who wins that starting strong safety? I mean, I think you gotta. I, this one, this one's tough because you're gonna spend a first round on Abram, which means you probably gotta give him the job. But then you're just shoving Paul Joseph to the side. And I know I called the other day, uh, kind of uh, backing Paul Joseph that he was in. You know, he's played in the wrong system. Now he's finally got built their system down, he's a box guy and excels in the box, so not when you put him on a tight end. Um, I even think he can roam, roam the free safety a little bit, too. So, I mean, that's another going to be another big position battle, starting strong safety when Joyner when Joyner's, uh playing free. Um, and don't sleep on the linebacker class, man. I know we got linebacker core. I know we got Perfect and Marshall, and we had Whitehead from last year. Don't sleep on the young guys, you know. I'm telling you, Coney's going to raise some eyebrows. And then, you know, Marl coming back, Lee coming back, uh, Cabinda coming back. That's going to be a loaded class, a loaded core. And uh, that's going to be a, a huge camp battle. So I can see all those being camp battles. 
Um, I guess if I were to answer his question, I'm, I, I have to go tight end with the biggest position battle because I honestly do not know. I, I, I honestly don't know who's going to win that. Um, I just see Cooks in everyone's game. I think John Gruden's going to uh, try to push for Waller the most just because of his upside. That one's wide open for me, absolutely wide open. All right, guys, I want to see your opinion. And, too, you know, I know yesterday's episode, Thursday's episode, you were talking about uh, Whitehead's tweet, and you were reading a little bit too much into it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take it as he, he sent the tweet. I can't wait to see what the future is going Man, like, he sees a brightness in the team right now. He came in last year, and all the shit that happened, sorry for cursing, all the shit that happened um, with the team and, and, you know, probably the locker room wasn't the greatest. And now he sees, you know, a vast improvement with, with, um, and all the all the uh, car rumors set to bed, so he knows who QB1 is, man. I think he's really just seeing the Raiders as I can't see what the future of the team holds. Um, that just might be me as an optimist, but that's kind of what I see. All right, guys, so I'd like to hear about your position battle soon, what you guys think. All right, take care. Great stuff right there, my man. And I'm telling you, I can make an argument for every one of those position battles that you mentioned. Every one of those position battles that you mentioned could be the toughest one, the biggest one. It really can be. There's going to be some real deal competition in training camp. That's what I'm excited about. But again, I think it all really starts with the trenches, man. The offensive line, the defensive line, if they're not on point, if they're not solid, if they don't have the best five guys on it, on the offensive line, then then everybody's in trouble. Derek Carr's in trouble. Antonio Brown's in trouble. You know, Tyrell Williams is in trouble. Hunter Renfro's in trouble. Uh, J- Josh Jacobs, that whole run game. I mean, if that offensive line ain't clicking and that goes back to Tom Cable and whoever's on that offensive line, if that ain't working, if there's an issue there, if it's suspect like it was in 2018, then that, that Raiders team is going to be struggling. It really is. Derek Carr cannot be sacked 50-plus times in 2019. He just can't. Great call right there. Now we're going to close out segment number two with my man Raider Blind Rage, calling from Tracy, California, representing, calling in to talk the draft and give his feelings on what Mike Mayock and John Gruden were able to do. And then he also addressed Scotty Raider and El Paso about the rivalries of the Raiders in the NFL. Here he is, Raider Blind Rage, calling from Tracy, California. What up, Q? Your boy and Tracy, Raider Blind Rage. Haven't called the show in a while. I think it was before the draft I called uh I know you had your hands full with a lot of backed-up calls, so I figured I'd kind of wait my turn in line and let you get through those. A couple quick things. I'm really happy with the draft. If you would have asked me after the first round, I would have maybe said a C-plus for certain reasons. But by the end of the draft, I'd go to a B-plus. I really liked what we did in the late rounds, and I hope uh, if half those guys can pan out and be everyday starters in the future, I think it's a win-win. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to say. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, Vader already touched on this, uh, Scotty's call and what it means to be a Raider fan. If you remember about a month ago, Q, I called and said, you know, it feels like us against the referees, us against the other team, and us against the NFL. So essentially the Raiders are playing three teams every time we get on the field. And that touched into a conversation after my call. I believe I was the last call of the day um, on that podcast. And you went into what it means to be a Raider fan, how special it is, and how different it is. So, yeah, I want to tell Scotty, uh, <laughs> you, you ever notice, well, Scotty, you're a new Raider fan, but Q and everybody else, you ever notice when you meet people, I've been a Raider fan since 1983, you meet people, there's no, like, the Raiders are okay. They either A, hate the Raiders, or B, they're one of us, part of the nation, they're diehard Raider fans. 
you're never going to meet anybody, or I haven't in my lifetime, that anybody says, yeah, well, you know, I can take or leave the Raiders. There's never no in-between. Never no in-between. All right, that's all I got, Q. Keep up the good work. Raider Blind Rage in the 209. Peace out. Great call, my man. Definitely appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, man, I feel like the, the Raiders did really well in the draft as well. You gave them a B plus. I really gave them an A minus. But, I mean, hey, look, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, splitting hairs at that point. You know what I mean? B plus, A minus, same thing. That's the whole line we use in dominoes right there. When you get 10, I'm getting the same thing. <laughs> That's what I always tell Mama Q. And she tried to act like I'm cheating. She always tried to act like I'm making up new rules. I'm telling you, but it's all right. It's Mama Q, so you got to love her. She still gets the best of me every single time we play dominoes. But, anyway, uh, going back to your call Raider Blind Rage you see how easily I get sidetracked uh yeah uh, I think that the draft was done really well and uh the the rivalries and, and and the me against the world mentality and what it means to be a Raider you were spot on I remember your call that we had and I remember how I just kind of went off on a four or five minute little whatever it was uh, about being a Raider and how awesome it was and that's kind of the mentality man it's it's that me against the world feeling so uh enjoy it Scotty Raider kind of like Ra- Raider Blind Rage said he's been he's been a Raider fan since 83 so you might as well go ahead and soak it up and get ready man things are going to be great things are going to be good at some point it's just going to get there so just ride it out man and then you'll be happy about that ride you know you'll be that guy you won't just jump on when it's when things are good like a lot of ram fans right now yeah there's a ton of rams fans that were nowhere to be seen when they stunk but hey you know that's just how that's the nature of the beast that's how things go so great call right there great calls in segment number two coming up in segment number three i got more calls off that locked on raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 that's up next on the locked on raiders podcast You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jumping into the final segment of today's Locked On Raiders podcast on this Monday, May 13, 2019. More calls off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. 707-654-4693. Another thing I want to note one more time is that the Colecchio Semele Adam Lefko interview, it will be broken down and be on Tuesday's episode of the Locked On Raider podcast. So I'll break it down, find some good stuff, and uh, really talk about it in pretty good length. So that's coming up on Tuesday's show. But right now, calls straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. We're going to start things off with Oakland Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Basically, it's a combination of Oakland Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, anyway, he's calling out the 408. He's now in the 702, and he called in once, but he called back to expand on the conversation he had in the previous call and was talking all things Coleccio Assembly interview with Adam Lefko from Bleacher Report. So here he is, Oakland Las Vegas. Oakland Las Vegas Raider. <laughs> here go my man. <laughs> Here's my dude. <laughs> it's my guy. Anyway, he's calling out the 408. Uh, Oakland Vegas Raiders. There it is. <laughs> Here he is. What's going on, Q? What's going on, Raider Nation? It's Oakland Vegas Raider out of the 408. Now living out of the 702. I just left your previous message, but I wanted to call back and touch on it a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, actually a long-time listener, first-time caller, so I guess that puts me in the new booty category. But uh, I want to touch on that, that Coleccio Assembly interview on the Left Coast show yesterday. I don't know if you caught it or not. But uh, Coleccio Assembly, man, he put it all out there and said some things that made me feel, um, you know, some type of way about this upcoming season. You know, I had a lot of intrigue on this upcoming season and a lot of positive vibes coming into this off season. And now, after what he said about the, a lot of things from the coaching staff, to the uh, the strength trainers or and uh, a lot of other things. He threw a little shade at Tom Cable, which is probably well deserved. 
uh, you gotta kind of listen to what he's saying when he kind of throws that shit. It's very slight and subtle, but he definitely puts it out there. But he, he definitely left me with a different impression on what to expect this upcoming season, especially with the off the line, since that's his, his, uh, area of expertise. You know, with DP, KO, gone, leaving Hudson and Jackson there, and Colton on the right or the left, wherever he's gonna be, Trent Brown coming in. Makes me feel a little, uh, a little nervous, to be honest with you, coming into this upcoming year. I don't really know how to feel now. He definitely gave us some nuggets that give you a feel for that team and this, 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 this new regime here with the organization. Um, but I just want to know if you watched it or listened to it. Either way, um, a lot of people probably just saw the two minute and one minute segments about the Raiders that he was touching on, but, you know, the, the whole interview in itself is actually pretty good, but. There's two segments, you know, about a 10-minute area where he's talking about the Raiders, man. It really raises my eyebrows and makes me wonder what's really going on. And, yeah, like I said, it made me feel some type of way. So I just want to know if you saw it or listened to it and, uh, you know, touch on that. And, uh, yeah, well, I'd just like to hear your response on that. All right, Raider Nation, go. Good stuff, my man. Appreciate that call and definitely will be checking in. Again, like I said, on uh, on Tuesday, we'll have the whole breakdown of that interview with Adam Lefko from Bleach Report. It was really good with Kalecio Semele, former left guard of the Raiders, now a member of the New York Jets. Vader Raider in the 303, he's up next. He's calling in to talk about the Kalecio Semele interview and brings up the Redskins, game three, that week three game that really got the Raiders season off, to, off the rails in 2017 and how it pertains to Derek Carr. Here's Vader Raider in the 303. What's up, Q? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your boy Vader Raider in the 303. Um, Raider Nation, unfortunately this morning I'm going to beat a dead horse, and I hate to do it, but it really bothered me because lots of times, you know, it, it kind of bothers me um, whenever something like this comes up, and it has to do, unfortunately, with our quarterback again. Um, you know, I was watching uh, a little video on Twitter, I guess uh, on the lefty show, um, Derek or uh, Colegio Assembly was doing an interview with uh, Lefty, and uh, he was talking about the Washington Redskins massacre game that happened a couple nights ago or a couple months, years ago, and uh, you know they they were talking about you know the controversy surrounding Derek and was he with the team when they locked arms and. And all that, and that wasn't the disturbing part of it. What was because um, they they had basically cleared Derek of you know anything having you know any wrongdoing there. I mean, they said no, Derek. You know, Kalechi basically said Derek was fine, and you know he he supported it. You know, he supported what they were doing. What kind of bothers me, Raider Nation, is in a lot of these interviews that are done where something about Derek comes up always said what a nice guy he is. They always say what a nice guy he is, approachable, it's all these things you see in video packages that they do, where you know he's kidding around with Vaughn Miller, and you know, he's, he's telling guys nice hit and all that. But it's not like he comes back and, you know, puts a dagger in him. Or it's not like he's you know, he's being a fierce competitor out on the field. Raider Nation, that's not what you hear from Derek, from anybody talking about Derek, what a fierce competitor he is. And Raider Nation, that's a troubling sign for me. I don't mind if our 
player is, or if our quarterback is a nice guy when he's off the field, and even before the game. But when he's on the field, I want everybody, you know what I want people to say? Yeah, Derek Carr is a nice guy. But when you get on the field, do not mess with that cat because he will come for you. Raider Nation, uh, once again, I I hope that we can get that this year. I want to see that from Derek. <clears throat> I want to see that. And what you heard from Q about the offensive line coach, Tom Cable, that's a disturbing sign. So, Raider Nation, I want to get your thoughts and uh, let's keep our eyes open. All right, Vader Raider, out. Vader Raider wants a little bit more toughness, doesn't want to hear Derek Carr be considered such a nice guy all the time, wants to hear a little bit more something in his neck. You know, he wants him closer to be a car thief. Well, he's not going to ever be a car thief. He'll always be a choir boy, but I totally understand what you're talking about. And Vader Raider, for more good stuff on that interview, again, Tuesday, I'll have a whole thing broken down so we can talk about it in great length. Victor and Cali, he's up next. He's calling in to talk hot takes and how he wants everyone in Raider Nation to come up with their own hot takes. He gives you his. Then he also brings up Car Thieves and Choir Boys and how that pertains to Richie Incognito. He brings up Carl Joseph and that fifth-year option, how that didn't get picked up. Talks a whole lot. Got a whole lot of subjects he's talking on right here. Victor and Cali. Q, what's up? Raider Nation, what's up? Victor from Cali. Hey, um, got something for everybody. Hello, Raider Nation. We're in the off-season. It's dead time. Let's have some fun. Everybody should bring their own hot take. I want to hear it. And I'm going to start off with mine. Derek Carr is going to be a top 10 quarterback and back in the MVP candidate spot. That's my prediction after this next season. I want to hear what everybody else has. Bring your own hot take. What do you got? Second thing is Car thieves, choir boys. Yeah, we need a car thief on the left guard position. We've got choir boys up there. You plug incognito in there. We've got the most dominant offensive line in the NFL. And I love it. At least for one season. And, uh, that's the nastiness we need. We need that. So I don't know how everybody else feels, but that's my thought. Not incognito, get somebody else. But we've got a lot of good people in a lot of good places, and uh, I'm ready to move forward with what we got. Last take, Carl Joseph not getting his fifth-year deal. Most first-round picks after 20 and above don't get that fifth-round option. The GM for the Raiders, Mike Mayock, had Carl Joseph ranked as number 32. I think he's going to the Broncos, if I remember right, going when he came out. We could look it up. I'm not looking right now. It's just for memory. I think that's where he was supposed to go. He is not a guy that's supposed to get his fifth-round option. McKenzie, like he did with all his draft picks, reached too far, took Carl Joseph way too early. That being said, I like the kid. I think he's progressed. I think he's moved a long way. I don't know if he fits anymore with Abram on our defense, but I think he would be an asset. The one thing holding him back is Joel Siegel. This guy, Joel Siegel would maybe his worst enemy at this point. If he's going to hold out and want to get big money for Carl Joseph, Carl Joseph's gone. 
if uh, he kicks back and doesn't pull the Khalil Mack thing and the Mari Cooper thing and gets a respectable deal for Carl Joseph, I could see us keeping him. That guy was a stud. We all watched when Carl Joseph stood by himself on the goal line, stopping running backs, hitting people hard, bringing it like he was expected to do when he first came into the league. So I am a Carl Joseph guy. And if you ask me, he's proven himself in the in the um, NBA, NFL. Uh, Abrams hasn't. He's played good in college. Carl's proven himself. So before you cut him and bring in an unproven guy, you got to keep Carl, and you got to make him work and let him showcase himself. And maybe we get some draft capital if we decide we got two good safeties and got to get rid of one. But for now, I think we hang on to him. We don't have enough good talent, and he's homegrown, and I'm all for Carl Joseph. So, Q, I don't want to see Carl Joseph go. I don't, unless Joel Siegel screws it up and wants to get more money in his worth. That's the only way I'd want to see him go. Okay? That's all I got. Raider Nation, peace out. Q, thanks. A lot of good points right there. A lot of good points. My man, definitely appreciate that call and that insight. Raider Al in Georgia, he's up next. He's calling to talk about Richie Incognito, how he feels about the Raiders signing him. Also speaks on Marquette King and Johnny Townsend. Then he brings up the possibility of getting some Locked On Raider t-shirts made. Q, what's going on, bro? Raider Al from Georgia. What's up, Raider Nation? Richie Incognito. I was 50-50 on signing this guy before listening to the Raider Nation across the country. And guess what? I'm still 50-50. But when I think about it, see, here's my thing. Denzel Good. We signed him middle of the season. I think the Colts cut him. He went to his brother's funeral or something. He didn't get cut for bad play. It was something to do with he missed some time. That's why the coach cut him. So I think he can step right in and do a decent job. you got to remember, he protected Andrew Luck. Okay, the Marquette King debate. I say bring the guy in. I mean, I ain't saying pay him a King's ransom, make it an open competition, and see what we got. Because as you know, I am not a fan of Johnny Townsend. I am Johnny Townsend. I've seen him on multiple occasions punt for 20-plus yards. Q, check this out. The local high school kid here from Northside High, Northside Eagles, the heck of a football team, you can Google them, averages about 45 yards a kick. This is high school. I mean, if the guy can turn it around, hey, you know, keep him on the team. But from what I seen last year, his only highlight was that fake punt that he ran for about 50 yards. That is it. Also, Q, something I've been thinking about, man. You got a lot of fans across the country, right? You need to or see, if, see if you can maybe get some locked-on Raider T-shirts printed up and put them on the website. Hey, man, I guarantee you, you will sell out with a week. You'll sell out within a week, 
and I will wear mine proud. Raider out. Out. Yeah, my man, like I said before earlier in the show, I think Richie Incognito's a done deal. I think that's going to happen at some point. It all depends on the suspension that he's uh, he's facing, if he faces a suspension at all. And uh, with King and Johnny Townsend, you're 100% right in my opinion. I'd bring the guy in, and I would let him try it out and boot it out and see what can happen. And if he can, if he can cut it, he's uh, got to be a lot better than Johnny Townsend. Johnny Townsend stinks. And at this point, it's not really about who you get along with or who you're, you're good friends with. It's who can get the job done. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it's about. If the if John Gruden and Mike Mayock are trying to put the best 53 out there and the best lineup out there, then I would think that, that King would be better than Johnny Townsend. And, hey, as long as he understands his role and knows his role and doesn't get out there and get no 15-yard penalties and all that stuff, I think that that would be the better option as long as he's 100% healthy. Again, trying to get him on the show as well to talk to him about that exact subject and then many, many more. And, uh, yeah, I don't got no hookup. I don't got no plug on the on some Locked On Raiders t-shirts being made. Um, I don't know. If someone wants to make them, that'd be cool. And and I don't know if people would buy them or not. But, but you know, you say you'd rock yours pretty proud so that's cool but uh yeah i ain't got no plug on the t-shirts being made and i'm sure i can't call david Locke and be like hey by the way you need to make some of these t-shirts bro bro he'll probably say hey you know what you need to do you need to cut down the length of your damn podcast <laughs> That's exactly what he'd tell me, so I'm not even going to go there. The least I have to communicate is the better because I know at some point that conversation is going to come up like, oh, by the way, Q, uh, I've noticed the last, I don't know, 50 episodes have been all really long. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and, uh, and, and and ruffle those feathers at any time soon, my man, but I uh, appreciate that call. Next up is Steve from Southern California. He's calling in to talk about the draft, giving his thoughts on what the Raiders did. Here he is, Steve in Southern California. Thank you. This is... Steve from Southern California, just calling to sound like a broken record and uh, go off of what everybody's saying, saying that I love the draft. I feel like we got some good people to fill holes that we needed. We got the depth that we needed within the roster. Um, The only thing I'm a little unhappy about is um, the way they're always going to compare Khalil Mack to this draft, knowing that we got a defensive end. He would be basically like the replacement, and I feel like it's unfair to compare both of them because they both had a different development process. I feel looking back now, um, Reggie McKenzie um, brought in a lot of veterans that year in Lamar Woodley from the Steelers and Justin Tuck from the Giants, knowing that they both had you know Super Bowl Super Bowl rings. And they were coming from really great defenses and they're leaders in those defenses. And, um, knowing that Khalil Mack's coming from a small school, um, even though he's an athletic freak, he has to, we have to question if he was going to be able to translate it into the NFL. So bringing in those veteran players were going to help significantly in his development. And it's not like he came into the league, um, a professional, the way he is right now, uh, you've seen him and Seal more celebrating on their first win against the Kansas City Chiefs that Thursday night. Um, and Justin Tucker is the one telling him what to do and get back in line. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly where Khalil Mack learned that from. Um, knowing that, we didn't bring any veterans in this year which is probably why we didn't get Josh Allen because it would have been the same process. He needs to learn how to put his hand in the dirt because he's never done that before in those systems. And um, it, it would have been nice, but I see why we picked Colin Farrell because of his leadership in a, a championship atmosphere. Um, that way we don't need a 
a veteran to come in and um, help out with that. I mean, I would have liked a veteran, but I see why they didn't like anybody, so they just didn't pick anybody. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. just wanted to see if you uh, thought the same way. And, um, yeah, I love podcasts and keep up the good work. Later, Raider Nation. Real good stuff, man. I definitely uh, enjoyed what I saw at the draft being in Nashville. I enjoyed what the Raiders were able to pull off. Still can't believe that with the Raiders having three first-round draft picks. This was the one thing that blew my mind about Nashville. They had three picks in the first round. There was 23 guys that was there in the green room, and I was only able to interview one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, out of all the guys that the Raiders drafted, out of all the guys there in the green room, only Josh Jacobs was there that I was able to interview that had to, that was a Raider, that eventually was a Raider. It just, it, it, that kind of blew my mind. That was the one thing that kind of made me scratch my head. Like, there's no chance that only one cat is in the green room that the Raiders grabbed when they had three first-round draft picks. But that's how it shook out, and, hey, I'm okay with it. It just was something that was kind of funny to me, saying I was so excited about being there and having the opportunity to talk to those guys. And, well, again, got to talk to Josh Jacobs, and I like him a lot, so that's cool. Next up is my man P.E. in North Carolina. I haven't heard from him in a minute. He's calling in for a few reasons, a few players. Marquette King, Marshawn Lynch, Richie Incognito. He's talking about all those guys. Then he brought up that conversation I had in uh, segment number one about Tom Cable and the blocking scheme. Yeah, here's P.E. in North Carolina. What's going on, Q? What's up, Raider Nation? P.E. from North Carolina. Just got a few quick things today, Q. First off, Marquette King. Man, that guy can kick rocks with no shoes. Uh, Number two, Marshawn Lynch. I think the reason, I think Marshawn Lynch's days were over as a Raider as soon as he tried to light that blunt on the Al Davis torch. I don't think the Davis family really liked that. And, you know, it was pretty disrespectful as well. So uh, they'll probably never come out and say that, but I think that his days as a Raider were over as soon as he did that. Um, Richie Incognito. I think we got to decide, Raider Nation, not as a fan base, but as an organization, you know, what kind of players we're going to go after. You can't, on one hand, say you're looking for great individuals off the field, and foundational pieces, and then on the other hand, turn around and bring in guys like Burfecht and Incognito. You know, now if they sign them and they're on the team, we're going to pull for them as fans either way, but, you know, I wish as an organization they would just say the guys are good players or say they have great character and only sign guys with great character, you know? I mean, to me, that's the way I see it. And, um, One more thing, Q. We're talking about, well, you were talking about Tom Cable on yesterday's podcast. I have a question, and nobody's really brought this up. Tom Cable is a zone-blocking scheme guy, right? We all know that. Well, I thought that when you're a zone-blocking team, you want smaller, quicker offensive linemen that can get out and pull and do different things like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Trent Brown is huge. And I'm not sure what, what scheme the Patriots run, but being that he has the size that he has, is that going to be a good fit for what Tom Cable wants to do? I know we we talked a lot about Tom Cable, and, you know, when we were drafting guys, everybody wanted to say, well, these guys fit our scheme. Does Trent Brown fit Tom Cable's own blocking scheme? I don't know. Just a question I have for you and for Raider Nation, if anybody else wants to answer that, but... um. 
That's pretty much all I got, Q. Peace out, Raider Nation. No, P.E., you're absolutely correct, my man, about that zone-blocking scheme. Those guys are supposed to be nimble, man. They're, they're, they're not that guys. You know, looking at the O-line right now, looking at the size of them, they're all well over 300-something pounds, and Trent Brown is a monster, like I said in uh, segment number one. So, in my opinion, they don't fit that zone-blocking scheme. We'll see what happens. I know that's a staple of the John Gruden offense, that West Coast offense that he runs is that zone-blocking scheme, but I think that the Raiders, I think they're in a better position to run that power-blocking scheme just based alone on the size of the offensive lineman. But again, that's just me. Thank you for that call, P.E. I appreciate that. Next up, Selena in the OC. Haven't heard from her in a minute. She's calling for multiple reasons, including the games in Oakland that we might think about going to and how we can get organized on that. And she's really going to go ahead and jump out in front of this and really get us organized. That's Selena. Plus, she wanted to speak on uh, Marquette King and the possibility of the Raiders bringing him back. Here she is, Selena in the OC. Hey, Q. It's Selena in the OC. Um, Calling about the uh, the upcoming games in Oakland. I know about a month ago I had mentioned that I would put together an email, and time is just flying by. I'm so sorry for the delay. Um, I've just been so slammed, barely finding time to sleep these days. Um, but it will be my homework assignment to put the email address together this weekend, and I will call by the end of the weekend. Not sure if that will make it on Mondays or Tuesdays, but um, just to let the nation know. Uh, I am working on it, and the idea is is that I'll put together an email address and um, send it out so that everybody can um, use that so we can organize uh, the games uh, in Oakland this year. I think that uh, we're, I'm going to target two games, November 3rd and December 15th, November 3rd being Q's birthday, and then December 15th is the last game in Oakland because I think with people coming from all of the various places, um, getting just one maybe uh, um, harder. And then if we have two, then people have at least a couple of options. Um, and then we'll just organize uh, a tailgate party uh, for both of those games and uh, perhaps an, an after party, although I rarely make it to after parties. But for everybody else who, who does usually make it to after parties, we can organize that. And uh, additionally, since I know other people are going uh, to various uh, games, like the first game kickoffs, blah, 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 uh, I'll put together, you know, a spreadsheet on who's going to which game so that then whoever is going to other games could know who else from the podcast, um, and then they can kind of uh, work together and organize if they want to meet up. So, um, again, I'll call back uh, with that email address as soon as I have it set up this weekend. And I just want to make a quick point about uh, Marquette King in response to Victor and Kelly's um, uh, um, voicemail that he had sent the other day in that I had went back and listened to a podcast, uh, Wolf Nation, and uh, they actually interviewed Marquette King on the podcast. I'm really hoping you can get him on too, Q. But, you know, in light of this whole backstory, everybody has a backstory. What we're seeing is kind of what's, what's happened on the surface, and I understand where you're coming from, Victor, but... He has a backstory, and I think that um, he was blindsided when he was let go, and I still don't understand why he was just let go and not traded, um, somebody of his caliber. Um, but he he was blindsided by being let go. He was upset. He didn't understand it. Uh, Denver was the one that gave him the offer. He never even wanted to go to Denver. And uh, he's actually a Raider Nation. He's part of Raider Nation <clears throat> himself. And when he went to Denver, the reason why he didn't have any um, – productivity is because his coach there was changing his kicking game and he didn't like it. He told his coach over and over that he couldn't kick that way. That was actually hurting his leg. 
and uh, his coach said, this is the way you're going to kick, and um, wouldn't take no for an answer. And then he ended up with an injury. So it depends on the system. It depends on the scheme that you're in. You know, we've talked about that with, uh, you know, Kelechi Assembly and um, uh, Rashad Melvin has been the recent one. When you don't fit, you know, um, the, 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 if the player doesn't fit the scheme, it's not going to work. And so that's what happened to him over there in Denver. So, anyways, my whole point is is that there's a backstory to him. I feel like he should be part of uh, he should be part of the Raiders organization. But again, I am uh, ignorant to what happened and why he was let go in the first place. Is it really just because of the antics that you know was getting the penalty was celebrating? Um, because that to me is not an excuse enough. But anyways, I'm a Marquette King fan. I hope to see him back. I think maybe that ship has sailed. I hope it isn't, but just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And uh, hopefully you can get him on the show queue. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. Good stuff. Really good stuff. And uh, I appreciate those two dates. You know what I'm saying? The November 3rd game against the Lions, and then obviously the last game of the season for the Raiders at home against the Jaguars. And it would be nice to be able to make it to both games. I know a lot of people are fired up about that first game against Denver at home as well. That's Monday Night Football. I mean, all those games, there's only seven of them going to be playing the Oakland Coliseum. And uh, I'm really excited about all of them because I think they all have a possibility of being really, really good games. So, uh, Selena, I appreciate you taking charge like you are, and uh, we will find a way to make this happen. And I think I mentioned it last week. If we could pull this off successfully this year, who knows what we could do maybe next year and the following year. And the, you know, maybe we could start making this traditional, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the podcast, just could be a bunch of friends and family. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Uh, again, we got to take it one year at a time. But if we could pull this off successfully this year and have a real good turnout and, and have a really good time, I could see us doing this for many, many years to come. And it could end up being a tradition that we start talking to our kids about and they start talking to their kids about, oh, yeah, my, my dad and his group of friends and all this. And oh, they all meet at the Oakland Coliseum or they all meet in Vegas or that, you know what I mean? Like, I can see this really going really far and having a lot of fun with it. But again, we got to pull it off the first time before we can pull it off the second time. So, Selena, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. And when you get that email going, we'll uh, definitely keep things rocking. Again, you can email me if you want at your boy Q254. No, it's not. That's my Twitter. <laughs> at your boy Q1660ESPN.com. At your boy Q1660ESPN.com. Man, I got too many things going in my head at one time. Next call up, my man Raider 1G in the 530. Calling in to give his thoughts on the possibility of having Mama Lynch on the show to talk to her. And also, he's calling in to talk about Tevin Coney, the underactive free agent linebacker from Notre Dame. Here he is, Raider 1G in the 530. What up, Q? What up, Raider Nation? Raider 1G from, from the 530. Calling in today to uh, just say that, you know, I think having Mama Lynch on the show okay, um, to kind of respond to Raider Rob question about Mama Lynch on the show, um, I think it would be a great idea, you know, to have her on, especially because she's a big-time Raider fan raised in Oakland, too, you know, I, you know, last time I checked, you know, this podcast was open to anything Raider-related, and Mama Lynch is absolutely irrelevant to the Raiders, so I think that would be a great idea to have her on the show, just to kind of hear her opinion, it doesn't have to be X's and O's and technical stuff, you know, I think she's got to get her opinion, get her insight, get her background, get her, maybe even hear some cool stories, because, you know, I think I read somewhere that her brother used to play for the Raiders at one point, too, so, um, you know, if you can get her on, you know, I would love to listen to that, and uh, anyways, moving on real quick, you know, I, I read something this morning about uh, Tavon Coney, uh, pro football focus, had him graded 
just as good, if not better, than than uh, Tavon White, the Louisiana uh, Tigers linebacker that went to uh, the Buccaneers. And I saw that, and I thought that was very interesting how both of their grades was. Uh, you know, I think Tony ran out just a little bit better than Tavon White did, and uh, you know, I just want to see. I mean, that could be a steal for us if uh, if you know he is really that good. You know, I I don't know why he went undrafted. Maybe there's some history of some sort. Maybe you know you can give us some insight on that. Um, but you know, I'm glad we got him on on with the team. You know, I think I think he can be a pretty good uh, linebacker for you know run stop and coverage. You know, because you know his grades look pretty good. So that's all I got on that cue. Uh, keep up the good work. Peace out, Raider Nation. Raider 1G up. You bring up some good points, my man. I think Coney is an absolute steal for the Raiders. Uh, I really expect him to make the team as long as he's healthy. Uh, whatever, Everything I've heard, man, he does have some off-field issues, but at the same time, he's an absolute dog. You mentioned him being right up there with Devin White, who went number five overall. Everybody that I talked to, everything that I saw, most people expected him to be a second or third round guy. He was going to slip to the second or third round, but nobody expected him to drop completely out of the draft. That is completely that's nuts. That's insane. And so I think that, that dude could really end up being a steal and being a real dog for the, the Raiders. They could end up being, he could end up being that Devin White guy without going and getting Devin White. So Raider 1G in the 530, definitely appreciate that call. Now, DJ in the 909, he's going to close things out for us. He's calling in to talk about Jonathan Abram, his feeling on him, which leads to a good question about what the Raiders are going to do when it comes to the safety position. What's well, up, Q? It's um, DJ from the 909 Inland Empire calling in. Um, I want to speak on Jonathan Abram. He is a player, and after you know watching this clip from the draft, and then you playing it on Thursday's podcast, I really like this dude. And I forgot which subscriber it was that was saying how you know he sounds like a raider, plays like a raider. That leads me into thinking. What exactly are we going to do when it comes to this safety position? And I mean, as far as the free, because I'm assuming, assuming that Abram's going to play the strong. Just because he's bigger, he's able to go up in the box, he's able to, you know, body up against the tight ends. I'm just curious to get your take on who you think the other starter is going to be. I know we got Joyner. I know, listening to Mike Mayock when they drafted, you know, when he was talking about it after the, you know, post-draft interview, how him and Joyner back there are going to be one heck of a duo. But, you know, I think, I don't know if it was Gruden or if it was Mayock early on when we signed Joyner, they were mostly talking about him playing, you know, the slot, being the slot corner. So then it got me thinking... I know we still got Carl. I'm a big believer in Carl. I don't know if, you know, most people paid attention before he came out at West Virginia. He was a free safety. He was a ball hawk. He was a playmaker. He was best at roaming the field. And, you know, ever since, you know, he's been in Oakland, he technically hasn't been playing the position that he's good at. They haven't been playing to his strengths. And, you know, Carl can tackle. We know he can get into the box and everything. But I honestly feel like if he's put back there as a free, 
man, I'm telling you, his potential is going to go through the roof. And maybe that's not even how, you know, they're even looking at the defense from that aspect. Maybe they might think about deploying a big nickel, possibly. I don't know if it'll happen, but, you know, having Joyner, um, Joyner, Carl, and Abrams, I don't know, man. I just wanted to get your take on it because nobody's really talking about it as much. So I'm just curious to know what your take is it. And one more thing I wanted to touch on, you know, Richie Incognito. Everybody knows the guy is kind of crazy. We we all know this. We know he has mental mental health problems, whatever. Um, the way I look at it, you know, there's a lot of fans that are, like, opposed to the move. I think people need to realize this is, I'm pretty sure, this is their thinking, that it's literally just a one-year deal. He's just a stopgap until maybe they find somebody in the draft next year. Maybe somebody emerges or somebody gets released, you know, come the when it's time to cut down to the 53-man roster. I don't know. But let's say that, you know, we go with Richie moving forward throughout the season. A lot of people really think that Groot is not going to get a hold of him right away. So let's say Richie decides to act out. I am a, I'm confident that Groot is not going to stand for that, not one little bit. Like there, there is no way for me to really believe that if Groot was able to ship out Amari for whatever reason we might not know, it might be because how the contract is now. Or, because we all know, even though he wants to throw it all on Reggie, we know this all goes back on Gruden, and he wanted to do all these trades. I'm pretty sure if Richie acts out or, you know, he's the line is the whole line is just getting a bad vibe, I'm pretty sure Gruden's going to get rid of him. There is no way in this blue moon I think he's going to keep him on that roster if he acts out. Like I said, hopefully it is for one year. I believe it's just a one-year thing. You know, to bring Oakland a championship this, you know, before they leave to Vegas. But we'll see. I just wanted to touch it. I just wanted to say that. But you would think Gruden would have control of that locker room. And I think, you know, Richie and his past and whatever is not going to be an issue with the team if he does sign. But we'll see. We'll see. Really good question, my man. You brought up a good point about Carl Joseph and the free safety position and what he did in college. Uh, maybe he's the answer. I think uh, they're going to let all these guys really get at it, camp, battle it out. Abram, in my opinion, will be a day one starter. Joiner, he'll be a Swiss Army knife in Gunther's defense. Eric Harris is also out there. Don't forget about him. He's out there playing center field. They re-sign him. And if Joseph makes it training camp, I think he'll be a guy who'll compete for that job as well. I think that there's a lot of talent at the safety position. Just not sure how they're actually going to use all that talent. But again, I mean, you look at who they have. You know, and these are the guys that I consider options. Jonathan Abram, obviously, like I mentioned, day one starter. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, he's going to be a guy that's going to get a ton of run, a ton of burn. Eric Harris, I think that John Gruden and company really, really like him. Again, they re-signed him. And then again, it depends on what Carl Joseph does. Does he make it to training camp? Does he get traded? If he's there, I think he battles it out. And maybe they slide him into what his, his position at West Virginia was, and he is a little bit better than he has been. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities out there. So I think that the good thing is there's a lot of talent, and there will be no Reggie Nelson running around there in center field getting burnt. 
that's the positive. But DJ, you bring up really, really good points. So uh, thank you for everyone on, on the calls. Thank you, everyone who hit up the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Thanks, everyone, for appreciating and understanding uh, why I missed on Friday. I had my dentist appointment. Like I said, it went a little bit longer. Next time, I'll just record the night before, and then I won't have to worry about that. But I wasn't able to knock that out that, that Thursday night. So thank you, everybody, for understanding. Uh, thanks for rocking with me on another week. Thanks for getting this week started the, the right way. And coming up on Tuesday's show, tomorrow's show, have the breakdown of the Lefko and Colecchio Assembly interview that's been making a lot of noise. A lot of people have been talking about it. So we're going to break the whole thing down and talk about it in great detail. That's coming up on Tuesday's show. Until then, Raider Nation, as always, just win, baby.